but not represent the views of Radio Free Brooklyn, its staff, or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are all my blessed and highly favored people doing today? I hope that all of you had a wonderful week and that you are keeping up the good fight for the kingdom and for your life. But with that being said, we are going to conclude our series titled Love, Lust, sex, and the pursuit of happiness. Today's topic is going to be the pursuit of happiness. Now, I pray that everyone that had been listening to this series has been enjoying this series. 
and that you all got something worthwhile out of it. I'll tell you, I enjoyed presenting the information and I only scratched the surface. We could have gone much deeper than we did. And who knows, maybe he'll have me revisit this topic again. But if you missed any of the series or any of my shows, you can find them on my Radio Free Brooklyn page. You can find them on my Spotify. Well, not on mine, but you can find it, find it on Spotify, Apple, and all other podcast platforms. So now let's just begin. What is the pursuit of happiness? For that, for that question, what is happiness and how can you pursue it? What does it really mean to be happy? So when you say that, it brings up so many different ideas, meanings, interpretations for so many different people. Pursuit, according to the dictionary, means to actively go after something. And happy is defined as feeling or showing pleasure or contentment having a sense of confidence in or satisfaction with a person, an arrangement, or a situation. Fortunate and convenient. So with those definitions, we are saying that we are actively going after pleasure and contentment. That is the pursuit of happiness. And happiness, like I said, can mean something different to everyone. Now, here are some of the factors that people equate to being happy. Income, physical health, family, social relationships, and their moral values. Now, all of these factors, they all have a different weight in everyone's life depending on how important they are to the individual. But research has found that relationships are the most important part of an individual's happiness. Now, I'm not really surprised that they found relationship to be the most important part. But did you know that we can control how much happiness we obtain? Mm-hmm. So most of us try to seek out happiness whenever possible, either by looking for a better job that gives some people a sense of happiness because it could give them a better position in life. Buying a new car can give some people a sense of happiness, especially if they need transportation or if they just wanted the car, if they finally got the car of their dreams. There are various things and reasons That will make a person happy. Some people even get happy by volunteering, helping other people because they they get this sense of they're able to give back to others that are less fortunate than themselves. Think about it. Don't you feel better when you make someone else happy? Uh, Yeah, right? (laughs) You're able to see things in a positive light. God wanted to convey a message to us when he placed in my spirit to talk about love, lust, and sex. The message he wanted to convey 
is very clear. It was the message that we have gotten it all wrong all this time. We have it wrong. Sex was never supposed to result in feeling like a burden to those that engaged. And when I say that, it was not created to make it feel like a burden to the woman or make it feel like a burden on the man. The burden I'm referring to is the children that's produced in unwanted pregnancies by the act of sexual intercourse. And now let's, the reason why I bring it back to that is because that's what prompted this whole series. It was the whole road versus Wade, this one screaming at that one. And then he was just like, you know what? Let me just clear the air with all this. You don't have to get upset about what the Supreme Court is saying. You don't have to get upset about what this one feels or what that one feels. Let me tell you what I feel about this whole situation. And then, then because I gave you the power of choice, you make your, you draw your own conclusions and live either the way you have been living or live according to the way that I set forth that things should go. So that's how this whole conversation came about. And this is what he's saying. I never meant it to be a burden on anybody. Sex was never supposed to be a burden. So children that came from sex, from intimacy, they were not supposed to be looked at as a burden. These children were an extension of the life of the individuals that engaged in the act. Plain and simple. Their coming together is what produced that being. End of discussion. And if all of the acts of intimacy were viewed through those lenses, there would be less unwanted pregnancy. Now I know this is me talking. I know there's circumstances that take place that it's not consensual with everyone, that there is rape, there's incest, and that produces unwanted pregnancies as well. I get that. But those types of intimacies are against the way God had put the concept of intimacy into play. So I'm not talking about those. When I talk about the concept of intimacy according to God, it doesn't include the rape and the incest because that's not the way he saw it to, to, to take place. That's not what he put forth to happen. Those things happen because of, like I said, the enemy perverting and turning everything around that God creates. That's good. He tries to taint it and distort it and make it bad. So I'm speaking about the everyday decisions that we make, that we engage in consciously and willingly. So let's just be real with this conversation. If you know that you're not ready to have a child, then why would you do something that you know might ultimately get you something that you don't want? Right? That's the million-dollar question right there. But that not only pertains to sex. That pertains to all types of activities that we engage in that yield us consequences that we don't want. God is trying to show us that we have control over our choices. 
although we can't control the outcome once we make that choice, for the most part, we can control and we can remember that when we make that choice, we have to live with the consequences that are going to follow. Because if we go by Newton's third law, every action, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So, many of the choices that we make, we should be asking ourselves, are we ready to handle the results of these choices? And if the answer is no, or if we're like, I really don't, I don't think so. Then maybe we should rethink our willingness to participate in that choice. Because once you've committed, you should be willing to see it all the way through to the end. And how many of us actually think about the choices that we make in that way? Because if we did, we would probably all be in a better place than we are right now. But that is why we have a God and why we have a Savior in Jesus Christ to help us through those rough roads that we choose to walk down. The roads that turn out to be a little rocky than we expected. The mountainside that turns out to be a little steeper than what we had expected. Not that smoothly paved path that we thought we were heading down. Not that easy walking that we thought we were going to do. And remember, when we first started out on this journey, when I first got on the air, I told you, get your shoes ready. Because you never knew what road you were going to be walking down. And you needed to be be prepared. Because you might run into anything along the way. So when we make choices, actually... We're trying to obtain some level of fulfillment or something. Our choices are usually based on what we feel is going to make us happy. And this brings me right back to our title for today, The Pursuit of Happiness. That's what, most of, that's what the majority of our choices are based on. What's going to make me happy? What's going to give me the best result in the long run that I want that's going to fulfill what I'm trying to achieve? So when people engage in illicit sexual activities, they are trying to fill a void that exists within them. But that void could only be filled by the love of God. He placed within us the need for intimate connection, not only for one another, but for him. That loneliness, that loneliness that we sometimes experience comes from wanting to have a connection with him in a special way. And most people are not aware of why they're feeling like they're always missing something. Even if they're in a happy relationship, they're like, oh, I'm just not happy. I'm just because they're trying to fill that void that only God can fill. And no matter how many accolades they achieve, how many material items they acquire, there's still an emptiness. And I think that's where some people came up with the concept of money can't buy you everything. Money can't buy you everything. They were more so talking about money can't fulfill your happiness. No, money can't fulfill that gap that only God could fill, but money can take care of a whole lot of things in your life and make life a lot easier for you. 
And that was even said, Jesus even told us that. He said in the Bible, money answereth all things. So if he said it, it's true. But that's another topic for another show. We're going to continue with what we have right here. So getting back to fulfilling that emptiness, they keep trying to stuff it with things and people, but what they're really looking for is the love of the Father. Remember, when God created man and woman, he visited them in the garden every day. He talked with them to see how they were doing. He asked them how the day went. He just had, he was in constant communion with them all the time. So they were filled. They were, that void that they had was filled. And we've gotten away from that when we fell into sin. Now, I know some of you are thinking to yourselves, that's not my issue. I know the love of the Father and I'm good. But let me tell you something. Even Christians feel that emptiness. And you can tell whether you're committed to God totally and if you totally surrendered yourself to him. Because when you've totally surrendered, nothing else matters. You are no longer looking for people or places or things to make you feel happy. You are content where you are in all circumstances, as Paul stated In Philippians, and he had said that when he was talking to them because the Philippians had been sending him stuff. Um, They were taking care of him when he was. uh, When he was there. In Philippi, and he was saying that whether he was rich, whether he was poor, you know, sick, well, happy, set, any any place that he found himself, any circumstance that he found himself in jail, not in jail, hungry, not hungry, in any circumstance, he was content. He had learned to be content. And he only learned that through the connection that he had with Christ and the love that he had for Christ and God. Now, if we're completely honest with ourselves, We are never going to be truly happy until we are able to fill that void that exists in all our lives. And we all have a void. We all can name the void. We all know at times when we feel that void. So we know what we do when we try to overcome that void. So when you think about it, each and every one of us knows when we start getting into things that we shouldn't get into, maybe making decisions that, oh, well, I just want to do this because, look, if it's just going to make me feel happy right now, I'm just going to do it. Other than, okay, maybe I need to just sit, take a deep breath, and think about why is it that I'm feeling this way? What's causing me to feel this way? And let me see if there's a better solution to solving this feeling that I'm having at the moment. Like instead of picking up a drink or picking up a drug or going out and engaging in that 
unprotected sex that we might engage in from time to time. All those things, and I'm not saying that everybody that, you know, not everybody runs to, to have sex when they're, they're not happy. Well, not everybody picks up a drink. Everybody does what they do. Some people like to eat. Some people may go to a bakery and buy a, a, a birthday cake and just eat the whole birthday cake by themselves. Some people may say, oh, I'm going to treat myself to a lavish meal or whatever it is. Everyone has something that they say or that they do when they want to fill a certain spot of them that feels unfulfilled. And at the end of the day, it's basically because you haven't had that conversation or you haven't acknowledged, for those of you who don't know Christ at all, you haven't acknowledged that there is a higher being than you. Spoiler alert. The world doesn't revolve around you. There are other things. There are other people. And each one of us, believe it or not, we are interconnected whether we want to be or not. And I'm coming to terms with that. Yeah, surprise. I'm coming to terms with that on a level of sometimes you feel you're not connected with some people. Well, let's put it this way. Sometimes you don't want to be connected with people. But regardless of whether you want to directly connect with them, indirectly in some way, their presence is going to affect you. And you have no control over that. Because he created all of us in this world to interact. From the beginning, we were all supposed to interact and somewhat get along with each other. But because of sin, as we've said, and because of everything that's been happening, we don't. We don't get along. We don't seem to want to be bothered with one another. And that also can bring a sense of having a void. Because when you're constantly... When you're constantly fighting against something that that should be, that's like trying to walk against the wind in a hurricane. There's no way. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. The wind is going to push you wherever it's going to, in the direction that it's going. So you can never go against the wind in a hurricane. Sometimes you can't even go against the wind on a regular blustery day. But I use the hurricane as an example of that's just how intensified the force is. So when you keep constantly trying to go against something that is supposed to be, eventually it's going to break you down. Eventually it will break you down. So most of the time when we're going against something that is supposed to be, that's when that void comes in of feeling unhappy because no matter what we're trying to do, we're uncomfortable and we're unhappy. Because you can't, you can't be happy if you're constantly fighting in a battle for something or over something. So that's when we have to sit back, think about the whole circumstance, think about the situation, and see what's the best way to deal with this solution. 
And sometimes it's not an easy answer. Sometimes it's not even an answer you want to hear. But sometimes it's an answer that you have to follow. So in conclusion of this series, In the Pursuit of Happiness, we said in the beginning, the pursuit of happiness was, after we looked at all of the definitions, it was that we are actively going after pleasure and contentment. We're actively. That's a verb. We're doing something. We're moving. But we should be moving instead of trying to seek people and places and things to fulfill that happiness, we should be moving towards God. We should be moving towards trying to understand him better and have a better connection between him and ourselves. And with that, I believe that it is time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. I was a girl, you know the type of girl The one who thought the world was filled with everything I need Like shining on me And any man on call, shut down any mall The baddest of them all is what I told myself to believe So I wouldn't feel empty I, I, I tried, I can't hide deep inside It's hard for her to believe that God made her a queen. She never knew her love, all up in the club, quick to give it up. In the morning, what does it mean? Tell her you cheated on your dream. I, I know why she can't hide deep inside, she needs something more. That crazy. 
is your world I'm just living in it
might see a bird in a dark sky flying When the wind push you down, you just keep on rising Feels like we're a long, long, long way from home But I'll keep on, keep on singing this old sparrow song of the 
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And in Op-Ed, it's just so convenient that I can lead off with the story about Deshaun Watson because it just goes with the rest of what we were talking about in our series. Now, Deshaun Watson is a young NFL player who has been accused of sexually assaulting women during massage sessions. There's, um, there's allegations out there that over 20-plus women have complained that he performed lewd acts, exposed himself during these massage sessions. The NFL originally suspended him for six games, but now they have upped it to 11 games, and he's been fined about $5 million. But now, I'm sure that there is more to his story, and I'm not going to go into that part because that's not the part of the story that we're focusing on, because I do want to do a piece about the NFL and what they feel about women, because this right here is a another distortion of how the NFL looks at women as a whole but most people are saying oh he didn't get fined enough oh they should have sat him out the entire season how could they allow him to play but what people don't know is he sat out the whole last season he didn't play last season because of all these allegations that were circulating around and now no criminal Charges have been filed against him because the court didn't find enough evidence to file criminal charges. So I'm saying this to say, to tie it into our story, because like I said, there's another entire story attached to him, but to tie it into our story and what we were talking about and the, just the whole with the love, the lust, the sex, and this constant pursuit of happiness. He's in pursuit of happiness. When he went to those massage parlors, he was in pursuit of happiness. And now, most people will say, he says he's innocent. He says he's innocent. He didn't do anything. Anything that happened was all consensual. Most people would want to say, oh, no, I believe the women. He did it. Whatever they said, it's true. Remember, I tell you how I always flip that coin, right? So now if we look at it from his side, he's innocent. He said he went there. Anything that happened between him and those women is consensual. The DA didn't find enough evidence from everything that was presented to bring criminal charges like as if he forced them to do something that they did not want to do. Flip side of the coin. These women are saying, oh, oh, he assaulted me. One woman was on TV. She said, oh, now I, I, will, I can't even go back to that, to doing my profession that I love to do because of what he did to me, because of what happened during that session that I had with him. 
My question is, now I'm just playing devil's advocate here, okay? Where did the term happy ending come from? Most times when you heard the term happy ending, it was always associated with a massage parlor and a woman doing something within that massage parlor. So, I'm just saying, it's not uncommon for these things to happen in massage parlors. Now, who's to say, oh, she didn't want to do it? I don't know. Maybe he didn't pay her enough to do it. I don't know what the story is. I don't know, and I'm not trying to speculate, but I'm just saying it all goes back to this whole pursuit of happiness. He was looking for a pursuit of happiness, and she now is suing him because he settled out of court. He settled out of court with the majority of these women. So everyone, I guess, is happy now. This man is, he's worth over $230 million or something like that. He gets paid to play in the NFL. I'm not even sure because I didn't look up his numbers because it wasn't about that part of his life. The story was supposed to be a part, you know, how it fits into our story. Everyone's pursuing some type of happiness, whether it be even in me suing because I feel you violated me, regardless of what we said to each other. Case in point, we have other people that feel that, you know, these people, these women consented to this. We have Bill Cosby. These women consented. So he said they consented to hanging out and getting high and whatever. Harvey Weinstein, same thing. R. Kelly, same thing. Jeffrey Epstein, same thing. All these people are, they consented, they consented. The women are like, we didn't consent. And in a lot of them, the women didn't consent. A lot of it, the women did not consent. But at the end of the day, all these people are pursuing some type of happiness. In their own, whatever way in their mind, walked way, it's a pursuit of their version of what happiness is. But in the end, when you take all that away, when you just wash all that away, regardless of how you feel about this one, that one, or the other one, it still has to do with their need to fulfill that void in all the cases that only God could fill. They, these men thought of themselves as God because of the positions and the powers that they held. But in the end, we're all seeking that approval, acceptance, recognition, no matter who you are. And I know I hear people saying, Kay, that's not true. I'm happy with who I am. I don't seek anybody's approval. I don't care what people think or say about me. Au contraire, mon cher. We all look for acceptance from somebody at some time in our life. Just think about the relationships you're in right now. You're looking for some type of acceptance from your parents, from your siblings, from your partner, And that's a big part of our life. That rules a big part of our life. And that's why God stated in the beginning that it was not good for man to be alone. Hence the reason why he made a woman. So everything that that is tied up into these things, like I said, surface, on the surface, it appears to be one thing. But when you really dig deep and go into the layers You'll see it's much, much more. It's much, much more behind all that. Much more. 
So I just wanted to bring that part up because it did tie in to our whole series of what we had been talking about. And then I just felt it was something that, that should have been, you know, discussed. Now, on to other topics in op-ed, the teacher shortage. You see, kids are going back to school and they're having a shortage of teachers. Now, I was sitting back when I heard about this and I said, shortage of teachers. How could you have a shortage of teachers? But aha, think back to the pandemic. When all those teachers didn't want to go back, remember they were trying to send kids back to school in the Midwest states way before. In New York, we always had it shut down forever, it seemed like. But in the Midwest states and in the southern states, they wanted to send the kids back to school and the teachers were fighting against it. They didn't want to go back to school with COVID still being what it was and we still didn't really know what it was. But There was no vaccine or whatever. Or there was a vaccine and none of the teachers wanted to take the vaccine, so they'd rather retire than take the vaccine and go back to work and teach the children. So you've lost a lot of teachers through retirement because they were like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I don't have to, which is their right. They don't have to. So they retired. Then you lost a lot of teachers now from what I'm seeing because this online learning. Now, online learning and homeschooling used to be a small faction of the big overall school system. But when you think about it, this pandemic has changed the way people view how their children are being taught. So now you have these, I saw this commercial here in New York for this online teaching. They go from kindergarten to 12th grade. Your child can learn online for all their studies for the entire duration of their school age years. A lot of teachers went to that. Because a lot of teachers like working remote. A lot of teachers don't want to go back into that classroom, which you can't blame them with 25 screaming kids. Who would want to go back to that? They don't want to go back into that classroom, A, because of the children. And then you think about the bad behavior. And we always used to hear about how the kids were acting up in school and teachers were getting beat up and teachers were getting assaulted. And when you think about it, if you're a teacher, you're like, I'm not going back into that madness. And it's worse now because... Mental health has taken a toll on the young adults because they were separated for so long through because of COVID. Of course, could you imagine what that classroom is like? And I'm not saying that everybody's kid has mental issues. Don't take it like that. I'm just saying that the kids who had behavioral problems before COVID, it's going to be that much more after COVID. It's just a simple fact. It's just a simple fact. So don't act like as if I'm saying something that's disparaging your child, okay? If the shoe don't fit Cinderella, don't wear it to the ball. So now that's aiding with the teacher shortage, right? And then with all these mass shootings and everything going on in schools, I'm sure that makes a lot of teachers say, "Mm, I don't know if I want to go back in that classroom either. So you have this shortage. And besides the fact that they weren't even hiring teachers and they want to say it's the pay, it's the pay, it's the pay. Yes, it's always been the pay. Teachers have always been underpaid, so it's not the pay. They want to blame it on the pay scale, but I I bet you dollars to donuts. If you raise that teacher's pay scale higher than what it is, you still wouldn't get a lot of people running to be teachers. I'm sorry, you still wouldn't. That's just my feeling about it because of everything else, all the other factors that have now come into play. Because there were teachers that weren't paid 
before and they were still teaching. They used to complain about the pay, but they still used to go to work every day. So I don't think that's a real big factor. But that's what I feel with the teacher shortage. And until we come up with some solutions with all of that, the kids in the classroom, the gun control, the pay raise or not, the people that have retired not getting good young people that want to go into teaching as a profession, we're going to have problems here in America. And I don't know what they're going to do about it, but they need to find a solution. And that is the end of op-ed. My time is growing short. I got to give us the word of the month. Our word of the month is abstinence, of course, the practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something. And our promise for the week is coming from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Amen. And with that, I say, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the rest of what's left of the weekend. The summer is growing. Oh my gosh, we only have like, what, two more weeks before Labor Day? Wow, this summer really flew. Enjoy yourself. It's going to be a gorgeous day here on the East Coast. Have fun. Stay safe. Love your family. Take care of one another. And until God brings us back together again next week, peace. May our God bless us with grace. Mercy and peace And may we always Find more room around God's feet Where there is complete Rest from the cares of this world For every woman, man, boy and girl I pray we are blessed with God's grace and peace, peace, peace. May our God bless us with grace, mercy, and peace. I pray we receive that tonight. See it on YouTube.
I receive it. 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 I receive it.